Welcome back to the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to make us part of your listening experience. We're starting an Out of the Vault series featuring sessions from the 2018 Pastors Conference that TCSC hosts every year. You're gonna hear messages from Jim Cimbala, who's written numerous books and pastors the famous Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, as well as from Pastor Gary Wilkerson and our very own Ron Brown. We're closing our Out of the Vault series today with the eighth and final session from Pastor Gary Wilkerson from the 2018 Pastors Conference. Listen in, be blessed, and thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. The keyboards, and we stay in an attitude of reverence of God's presence here in this place, but let's just take a moment to wait on Him. We've been hearing much and singing much and ministering to Him and being ministered to through the Word. I think it's just nice we spend a few moments just ministering to Jesus, just telling Him how much we love Him. We adore you, Jesus. We, we, we bring a sacrifice of praise to you, Jesus. Lord, when you hear the students praying those prayers on the CD, we just, our hearts went out because we're grateful for what you've done for them and grateful for what you've done for us, Jesus. We thank you that you saved us and washed us, sanctified and cleansed us. And Father, we thank you that you're not finished with us yet. For every pastor, every leader, every man, every woman in this place, Lord, your divine purposes for them or your plans for them are for good. Lord, we thank you that you're going to cause them to prosper spirit, soul, mind, and body. We thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. We thank you, God, from the time they go out in the morning till they come in at evening when they lay their heads in their beds, they're going to feel and know and sense and have the full blessing, authority, power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that, that uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're going to raise up a standard against them. We thank you, Jesus, that uh, you're going to renew their spirits, God. Lord, as, as Pastor Ron was sharing that earlier about... Uh, and it just hit me that if you said uh, you would renew our spirit, that means our spirits need to get new occasionally because they get kind of old sometimes. They get worn down sometimes. So we ask you to do that, Lord. Send the Holy Spirit's refreshing right now. Holy Spirit, just we need you in this hour. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need your presence, God. There are pastors here that are weary and worn out. Refresh them now. There are, there are some that are just tired of the battle and struggle. Lord, let them see that you've caused them to triumph in Christ Jesus, that, that they, are, they are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. They will not be defeated, but they will defeat every enemy that comes up against them. Thank you. When they feel like they don't have enough strength to fight the battles, you'll fight the battles for them. Thank you, God. You're going to turn things around. Thank you that sometimes you give us strength through the storms, and other times you actually rebuke the storm and it stops. We're asking, Lord, I like the strength through the storm, but, but can we just, as your children, crawl up in your lap right now and say, God, there's some storms we just need you to rebuke and have them stopped. So stop that. That we, we, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, certain storms would be stopped. Physical storms of, of, of maladies in our bodies would be stopped. You'd speak to them and rebuke them right now in the name of Jesus. Marriage, crisis, and situations, whether it be our own or in our families, you would rebuke and stop those things in the name of Jesus. Storms, we say cease now in the name of Jesus. And we believe, Lord, that this is not just some kind of fairy tale prayer that we're praying to, to try to sound like we're praying. This is God. God is in this place. And God is, is prophetically speaking right now through me, saying, storms are ceasing. Storms are stopping. Jesus is up on top of your boat. He's awakened through your prayer. 
and now that that awakened alert not that Christ is ever asleep but but he's awakened to your need and right now he's saying alright let's just rebuke this thing let's put an end to it right now that financial crisis that emotional crisis we say to depression go now in the name of Jesus discouragement go now in the name of Jesus Lord the, those who feel like quitting that goes now in the name of Jesus I say to you pastor you can't quit you can't, you can't give up. You're called. You're here today because you know that you're called. You wouldn't be here today if you weren't called. You would have already quit. But you're, you're hanging on because God's telling you to hang on because he has something great for you that the devil is trying to cause uh, you to lose that inheritance, that blessing. And we say now in the name of Jesus prophetically, you will not lose that inheritance. As a matter of fact, as you hold on, God's saying to you right now, you're not only going to hold on to what he had promised you, but he's going to give you a double portion just like Elijah received it from Elijah. You're holding on. You're Just like Elijah waited to see what was going to happen to the prophet, you've waited to see what's going to happen to your inheritance, and God is saying now, double portion is coming your way. You were hoping just to have some crumbs from his table, and now he's saying, come and dine with me. Receive the full meal that I have for you, the full meal of healing, the full meal of, of uh, restoration, the full meal meal of victory, the full meal of contentment and peace and joy. Father, there are pastors in this place who it's been days and maybe even weeks since they've had joy. Oh, speak now. Breathe. Blow the wind of joy into their hearts, Jesus. That they would just have joy of the Lord would be their strength. The joy of the Lord. Thank you, God. What a what a word. It's the joy of the Lord. It's not our joy that makes us strong. It's your joy. So you have joy over us, God, and we get to partake in that. Lord, we receive your joy. We receive your joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we don't have to beg or plead, but I just want to say one more time, depression be gone. Discouragement be gone. Fear be gone. A sense of inadequacy be gone. For those that might be my age and older, a sense of it's a little too late now. That's gone in the name of Jesus. I proclaim to you the fourth quarter is the best quarter. The two-minute drill is the best time of a, the, the two-minute warning is the best time in a game. That's where they really get after it. Put their best plays on the, in the field. Leave it all on the field. And then I pray over these men and women who are in the fourth quarter now. Charge them, God. Help them not to say, well, it's late. Help them to say, it's late. And have some gumption in their hearts saying, more, Lord, more. You're not done with me. David said, even if my hair is gray, you'll not leave me, but you will use me. You'll use me for your purposes. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray for the youngest one in here that they would not feel uh, inadequate. They would not feel like they're, 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 like David said of himself, too little to, 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 too little to go out into the field. No, thank you, God, that you've chose him, even when he was shepherding his father's sheep. And you called him out of his own shepherding his father's sheep to shepherd Israel. And there's some of you feel inadequate that you have, I can't even shepherd my own flock and God's saying to you, you have no idea what I'm calling you into. You think you can't shepherd your own flock and I'm calling you to shepherd Israel, to shepherd nations. God has some amazing things, some things that are just, uh, just about to, to arise and, and don't give up before it gets there. My father taught me the last half hour of faith is always the hardest. It's like you're on a long journey. You ever traveled for 12, 14 hours in a car? That last half hour is excruciating, isn't it? And that's what faith is like sometimes, that last half hour. Don't give up, my friends. Don't give up. Do you hear what the Lord's saying to you? Don't give up. 
It's not the words of Gary Wilkerson. This is the words of the Holy Spirit. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Fret not. My little flock, for the Lord is with you. And it's his delight to give you his everything, his inheritance, your inheritance in Christ Jesus. He holds no, withholds no good thing from you. Bless you. Bless you. Let's, let's let the Lord minister to us in several ways here today. The physical healings that we've been talking about last yesterday and today. Uh, thank the Lord for testimony. Dear sweetheart, uh, has been walking around with a cane. She left her cane in the car. She can walk now with strength that she didn't have before. My brother told me that for the last three weeks his ear has been infected and totally clogged up and last night it loosened and for the first time in three weeks this morning he had to put his ear infection medicine in. He was totally healed from ear infections. That's, that's good news. Um, so I have learned to be a little bit stubborn in prayer. I didn't used to be that way. I'd give up after the first failure. Um, but some of you didn't get healed yesterday and, um, and I want to do what we've done in the past and seen miracles take place. If we prayed for you yesterday and nothing really changed, uh, but you still want to say, like like the blind man, remember? He came, Jesus said, okay, what do you see? The tree man, like uh, men like trees walking, and then the second time Jesus prayed. And so we were saying yesterday, it's like, if Jesus had to pray twice, how much more we need to pray? So how many of you would like to pray twice for the things that you're feeling in your physical body? Man, if you need a physical healing, would you just raise your hand right now? If you don't mind holding it up for a little while, all right? We're going to believe for some amazing things to take place. And um, this is a generation now where we used to have to go to see a healing evangelist. We used to have to go to the, when my father and my grandfather used to have to go to tents. My grandfather was a tent revivalist and a tent uh, healing evangelist. And uh, people had to go to somewhere to get healed. And now Jesus has resurrected faith in the body of Christ and we all now pray for one another and see healing. So I thank God that, like, I don't have to have a, a you know, a, a mantle of healing evangelists. It's like we all pray for one another, and there's healing. There's healing in the touch. <clears throat> Would you mind just those who have their hand raised, if you're near them, uh, could somebody go and put a hand on their shoulder right now? There, several of them in a cluster here. So I don't want you to pray for somebody if you have your hand raised. I want you to be prayed for. There's a good group of people right here that need it. Hold your hand up. If you don't. All right, once, once you've got a hand on your shoulder, you can put your hand down if you want to. I mean, obviously, you can keep your hand raised if you want, but if anybody not have, if you don't have somebody, if you don't have somebody touching you right now, would you put the other hand up, two hands, so I can see you? Anybody? Okay, so everybody's got somebody praying for them. Okay. Faith now, God. Faith. Release faith, God. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. And we want to bring the pleasure of your healing power into this room today. God, we want to see amazing things happen. And I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus, not just nice Christian-type prayers, but powerful breakthrough prayers where things are done in the name of Jesus. Ears are opened. Eyes are healed. Throats that are sore and sick. Backs and shoulders and necks and knees and toes and feet. Everything, everything. God, Jesus, when you were working among the multitudes, you said you healed them all. You can do that in this room. All of us can be healed right now in the name of Jesus. We declare it, we decree it, we call it to be done right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus.
Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your healing power. Thank you, Jesus. All right, if you could just look at me for a second. If you just, uh, I, some of you might still be praying. Let's go ahead and keep praying. The rest of us, look at me for just a moment. Um, as I said in the last session that I was teaching, oftentimes we don't ask when we see people healed. Is there anybody that, it's hard to tell, like if you have, um, you know, if you have a growth on your back or something like that, and it's gone, you can know it's gone. But if it's inside, you may not know until you go to the doctor. But does anybody have anything you say like, you know, back, neck, something that you had pain when you came in? I already we saw somebody put her cane away and an ear open up. Is there anybody else that has seen a healing take place today? We want to just give God glory for that. Anyone at all? You're testing something there. Is that still hurt? Yes? What's, what's happening? It's healed. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? You felt, you felt that pain just go away? No? Okay. Well, yes. In the back there, what happened? In your, in your back? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. God is good. All right, let's pray one more time, okay? Those of you that raised your hands and you're still feeling pain, Jesus, um, make a fool of me. I'll, I'll stay here all day if you want me to. Um, I, I really don't care, Jesus. I'm beyond uh, reputation now. I just I want to see your power. I want to see your glory. And there's some dear brothers and sisters that just so long to have your healing touch. Man, I just get a sense that some of you have been in pain for like a long time, like a decade or more. Anybody been in pain, the same thing for over, over 10 years? Would you wave at me real quick? Something over 10 years of pain? In the name of Jesus, right now, God, let it go. Let it go. Gone now in the name of Jesus, God, we, we, we thank you. We just, we're just thanking you now, God. Like the woman with the issue of blood for, what was it, 12 or 14 years? I don't remember, but a long time. And now, in the name of Jesus, let it go. Let it go. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Father, one more just sweep over this whole auditorium. We're, we're, we're going to just expect you to do great things here today. We're, we're, we're not just going to talk about things today. Thank you, Jesus. When John's, remember when John's disciples came to Jesus, what Jesus' report gave them? Tell John what you have heard. Aren't you glad he didn't stop there? He said, tell John what you've heard and seen. And, and our churches are full of things we hear. But God wants to see our church to be full of things we see. We hear and see. Not one over the other, not one without the other. Hear and see. So, Father, we've heard great things. We'd love to see great things. Lord, it's it, not miracles for miracles' sake, but miracles for your sake, that your name might be glorified, that you be exalted as the God who is who he says he is. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. So one more time, just, just sweep over it, God. One more time, just sweep over. It's over migraine headaches, over, 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 over just real crisis in the stomach, God. So things in the stomach that just stick with us and, and cause frustration and anguish. We have to worry about every single food that comes into our system. Lord, let that be gone now in the name of Jesus. I pray that somebody right now would feel... How to describe it, but like a tingling or a warmth go through your stomach where you're feeling God's presence and His power. We don't always feel things that God does, but sometimes we do, and that'd be great. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Anybody else just say you just felt God's presence come over you and just heal your body right now? Anyone else? Yes, what was what's happening? The warmth of the Lord all over you. Healing, healing power. Amen. His presence, the scripture says his presence was there to heal. Yes. felt the warmth too and the God's presence wow wow that's good oh, I'm glad there's somebody on this side because I didn't, I didn't want all the warmth of the Holy Spirit to be on this side of the room I was hoping over over here as well yes sir unchanged for uh, 21 generations now, 21 centuries now. Uh, he's been doing the same thing. Have you ever studied the history of, of God's power, Jesus' power through the generations? Even in places like the Dark Ages, he was doing miracles. It's, uh, it's really, really amazing. So um, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. you guys hear that? I don't know if you could hear that over here. She was in a car accident five weeks ago and she couldn't even put her arm through her coat and the Lord just set her free of that pain. That's good. Um, I'm glad I told you guys. This is the most exciting part of the room here. You guys are really... No, no, no offense here. Please don't... Don't hold that against me that I said that. I, I, as soon as I said that, I thought I shouldn't have said that. That's <laughs> pitting one part of the audience against the other. That's a, that's a, a rough thing to do. You think a pastor who pastored in New York City would know better than that? You know, that's like saying I'm a New York Jets fan here in California, right? Yeah, that's a, yeah. Of course, now when you say you're a New York Jets fan, everybody has pity on you rather than booing you. But uh, I don't want you to raise your hand for this, but, but I want to pray for those who have been a bit discouraged in ministry as well. So, Father, just I know I prayed before, but if we're going to pray for uh, shoulders and knees and necks a couple times, uh, let's pray for discouragement a couple times too. That in the name of Jesus right now, God, that just those who are discouraged would come into a new season of anticipation. Oftentimes the opposite of, of um, discouragement is new vision new hope, new dreams, new aspirations, new new confidence that God has not only called us, but he's going to see it through what he's called us to, or sometimes a new thing that he's calling us to. And sometimes you have to let go of the old to get to the new. There are certain things that some of you, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, you're holding on to certain things, and it's hindering you from being released to the new thing. There's something he has new for you, but he's not going to give it to you until you're free of the... The, the ties to something that's old that, that's past its season. It's, 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 as, it's almost as if 
David would have said, no, I'm a faithful shepherd to my father's sheep, and I'm staying here because, God, that's what my father asked of me, and that's what I'm called to, and I don't give up on my sheep. And God's saying, no, it's time for you to come and be king. And so that's for whoever that's for. Just I pray that it encourage you, God, right now in the name of Jesus, just speak your peace, speak your joy, speak your life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Kelly. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get my phone out and set it for, okay, it's 418, and I'm going to watch my clock because I'm not, going to, I'm not going to take much of your time. You've heard so much wonderful truth. That last session just so blessed my heart, and uh, Brother Ron and his wife are so dear to me, They and Kelly. I, if you've not been here before, I've probably told you just briefly, I'll just share this with you, a story of my own son. Um, uh, even though I come from the heritage of the founder of Teen Challenge and thousands of people have been set free from drugs from my father's ministry and I've been involved in Teen Challenge my whole life as well. My own son, our own son, uh, got involved in drugs, first smoking pot and then taking pills, eventually uh, smoking, uh, uh, smoking heroin in a, in a form and then actually mainlining uh, uh, heroin needles into his arms. Uh, the most devastating um, crisis we've ever been through in our life. And if you've been here before, we've shared his story, how, how Jesus um, set him free. He had actually a, a light come into his room, uh, a voice from heaven spoke to him, and he just got radically set free uh, instantaneously, just, just like it was gone. And then um, uh, he, he married uh, one of our elders and our church's daughter, just the most pure, holy, sanctified, innocent young lady, just uh, believe it or not, the her father and mother, elders of her church, were praying. Even while my son was a heroin addict committing crimes to feed his addiction, they were praying, Lord, we want our daughter to marry their son. I was like, you're crazy. That's why I don't, you're crazy. I'm the, I have a daughter, and I'm not praying that she marries somebody who's struggling with that. She's going to marry somebody with the last name Graham, and that's it. You know, but, uh, you know that's, that's... And so... Uh, to see them get married and to, to do the wedding and now have him. Um, my son, uh, maybe a few months ago, uh, Nikki Cruz goes to our church and my, he was going on a trip, so my son prayed for him. And Nikki came up to me and said, I have never, and Nikki doesn't lie, he said, I have never in my life had a more anointing prayer over me than your son prayed for me. I was like, oh, yeah, yay, Jesus. That's so cool. He's out anointing his dad, his granddad. And I was like, that's, that's, that's amazing. So just real briefly, if you would turn to, um, where do I want to turn? Um, Mark chapter 5. I just want to take 10, 15 minutes of the most to encourage those of you that are ministering and pastoring and leading a ministry or, or personally ministering in a very tough field. California, uh, those, those of us who live in the Midwest have the impression I may be wrong about you guys, but, but those of you that are Christians are in a tough place here. You're not living in a, what is no longer, it's no longer a Christian culture in America, but it's certainly not in California. You, you're living, can I call it what it is, like a pagan heathen land, right? And, and it's tough, and it's difficult, and um, it's more trying than ever before, and you probably get more rejection than ever before, and some of you in particular cities are living in demonic strongholds, you're, you're living in places where it's almost like the seat of Satan. Uh, the seven churches in Revelation have seven different descriptions, and some of them are saying, like, you guys got it made. Jesus is there. And the other one's like, you live at the seat of Satan. Like, I want to move to their city, you know? Um, 
to get out of. Sometimes we want to get out of these really tough places. And so Jesus comes to a very tough place in Mark chapter 5. I'll probably tell you the story more than read it, but I wanted to point it out to you if you'd like to read it later. Uh, Jesus arrives on the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasenes. Uh, Gerasenes in, in the Greek language means ten cities. Um, so this is the area of the ten cities. And Jesus got out of the boat, and there was a man possessed by evil spirits coming out of the tomb to meet him. The man lived in burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with chains. They put chains on him, and he would break the chains. This is not somebody you sort of want to do a whole lot of ministry with. You know, it's just like, you know, you're sitting down across the counseling table with him, and he's breaking chains and jumping at you. It's tough. And so Jesus comes to this man, and he confronts him. He was cutting himself. Day and night he was wandering, cutting himself with sharp stones. Uh, while Jesus was some, still some distance away, which is where I would have stayed, uh, that's verse 6, um, they saw, the man saw him and ran to meet him. What would you be thinking if a man who was in chains, naked, and cutting himself with stones was running towards you? Uh, and uh, you probably, Yeah, run. And then with a shriek, he schemed, screamed, why are you interfering with Jesus? I'm the most high God. In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. So this man who had, uh, his name was Legion, thousands of demons within him. So Jesus was ministering in a tough place. And then this man, obviously, if you know the rest of the story, he gets healed. He gets set free. He gets delivered. Uh, you know, just, and he's changed. He's clothed. He has his right man, mind. A miracle takes place. He, um, you know, you remember the story? The, the, the demons ask if they could go into the pigs. The pigs throw, uh, throw themselves off a cliff into the water. The town comes and gathers around Jesus and sees that he is healed this demon-possessed man. This man is now transformed, totally, instantaneously, powerfully transformed. And it says in verse 17, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus. Another translation says, and they were begging Jesus to go away and leave them alone. That's a tough city to minister in. When, when the worst sinner, when the most demon-possessed man gets set free and healed and he's changed and he's happy and he's joyful and everybody's looking at him and saying, yeah, we don't like this. Get, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want you here anymore. Who does that? Who, who sees something good happen? Well, it's the people that are so obsessed with the powers of darkness that they call evil good and good evil. They, they have no discernment left. And some of you are ministering in cities that are really tough. And, and you see other cities where it seems like church growth and salvations and healings and deliverances just happen dime a dozen and in your place, you're praying, and you're fasting, and you're seeking the Lord's face. And you're wondering, what's, what's wrong with me? What's happening in my ministry? Why is it so tough here? Uh, you know, why, why do things explode in other places, but here it just seems so difficult? So Jesus was ministering in a tough place. Now, but listen to this. It gets even more interesting. <clears throat> this healed, set free, delivered man sees that Jesus has disciples following him. They're in the boat with him. They're traveling with him. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. I want to come with you. I want to be participant in your kingdom work. I want to heal the sick like you're doing. I want to raise the dead like you're doing. And what was Jesus' response? No. It's the only time I know in Scripture where somebody says, I want to be your disciple. I want to come follow you. Most places, Jesus is saying, come and follow me, right? And this guy says, I want to come and follow you. And Jesus said, no, nah, no, thank you. Now, when I was a young pastor, I thought, I've got a lot of people in my church like that. 
that, that want to do something. Oh, no, thank you. It's okay. We've got plenty of security guards. Like, you know, you, 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 know, you carry your gun with you, and that's not, you don't look safe. You know? And she kind of wants to say no to them. But I was surprised here that Jesus was saying no to this man. He, what does he say to him? He says, go back to this ten cities, to the Decapolis, to this place where you live. Go to this Decapolis and, and share what Jesus has done. For, share what I've done for you. All right, so he goes and he begins to, obviously, he did what Jesus told him to do. He didn't go with Jesus. He didn't become one of his confidants and uh, followers, but he goes to these cities and he begins to share his testimony. I don't know, it doesn't record how he preached or it uh, doesn't record whether he did miracles or not, but I think he probably did. He saw Jesus do the supernatural. I'm, I'm going to assume that he went out in the supernatural and saw amazing things happen, you know, miracles taking place, the gospel being preached. All right, look at Mark chapter 7, verse 31 now. Jesus left Tyre and went to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Ten Towns. This is where he had left the man. One man left him alone in ten cities. He had not been through a discipleship program. He had not been through Bible college. He had not been through seminary. He had not been a graduate of Teen Challenge. He, he was alone. He was by himself. He was in a, in a, a region where people... Uh, saw somebody delivered and they hated it and they asked Jesus to leave. That's a tough, it's a tough area for Jesus to minister to, but how much more would it be tough for this man to minister? And, and so he's in these ten towns and it says, uh, the region of the ten towns, and a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. And the people, I love this next word, the people begged Jesus to lay their hands, his hands on him and to heal him. Just same, same ten cities, same Decapolis, same town, same people who had just said, Jesus, we beg you to leave. We don't want you here. Now he gets off the boat and says, Jesus, we're begging you to come because we got this deaf man, this man who can't speak. And verse 33, Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. So there, it was, it's exciting here. There was a crowd. Where, and here's my question for you. Where did that crowd come from? I believe it came from that man who was healed, who was set free, who was delivered. Here's one man without much education. I doubt he had much eloquence. I don't think he was, was uh, all that charismatic. He was just a simple man, but he went around to these 10 cities, and he was doing something. He was preparing people's hearts for what Jesus was about to bring them. The transition came, interestingly enough, not necessarily through Jesus' ministry, but through his ministry. And it was certainly Christ in him. And so here's all I have to say. A very simple message is God has given you the keys to the kingdom. He's given you the power. He's given you the authority, as we said earlier. He, he's calling you, and even if you're working in a tough field, even if you're working in a, a difficult setting, don't give up. Don't lose hope. He's with you. And he's going to visit you. He's going to visit your church. He's going to come with a, a second grace, if you will. He, he's come before, but he's going to come again. And this time, the crowds, instead of rejecting him and saying, go away, are going to say, we beg you to come. We beg you to come. There's going to be a transition in your city, a transition in your community, a transition for many of you who've been waiting for a long time for God to break through. It's been tough soil. It's been hard plowing. It's been so difficult. Your heart rends over it. Your heart breaks over it. But you've been faithful. Even when you feel like you've been rejected by Jesus, no, you can't come with me. No, you're not traveling with me. No, you're not called into this uh, easier ministry. No, you're not called to this more friendly ministry. No, you're called into one of the toughest areas where people are begging Jesus to leave. That's where you're called. 
called. You're called to stay. You're called to work. You're called to plow under that hard ground. And one day, you're going to reap the reward. Jesus is going to visit once again. And instead, this time, the people are going to say, Jesus, we beg you to stay. We beg you to come into this community. We beg you to heal our sick. We beg you to cast out demons. We beg you to set captives free. We beg you in our cities to, to, to rend the heavens and come down to get rid of this drug problem, the alcohol problem, the violence problem, the gang problem, the poverty problem, the sickness problem. Every crisis, Jesus addresses it. and He's going to address it through you. I thank the Lord that he chooses the weak of this world. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be the most intelligent, the most clever, the most charismatic, the most articulate. Not at all. Just like this man. We don't know much about him. He's not really even mentioned. I don't even know if he mentions his name other than saying he was legion at one point. But we see his work. It's almost hidden, but it's in here. And your life might seem hidden, but one day people are going to know about it. Might be heaven, but they're going to know, oh, we heard the story how you took a Decapolis yourself. You took a region yourself, and you plowed it and you worked it, and you didn't give up. And I believe that if you'll take hold of what the Holy Spirit's been saying to us here the last few days, if you, and, and, the, and the thing that I want to impart to you is that, that if you'll believe God to do great things, he's going to want to do that, and he's going to want to use miracles to do that. I want to close with Matthew 11, uh, verse 20. Uh, Jesus denounced the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Corazon of Bethsaida, for if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago. And then in verse, uh, second half of verse 23, for if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be there today. Sodom would have repented how would Sodom repent? How will your city repent? How will there be a transformation? How will your city go from being a place where, where people say, Jesus, we don't want you here, to saying, Jesus, we beg you to come? How does that take place? Now, almost every time I've read the scripture, it seemed to speak to me. It's like, yeah, miracles aren't enough. The, all this stuff I've been talking about for the last two days, it's really not what Jesus is after. It's, it's, real, it's, it's, it's kind of a repentance message, and it's a holiness message, and, it's, and I believe in that. I really do. But it's interesting that Jesus says here, if, if the miracles I did for you, if I did it in Sodom, interesting, it seems to be Jesus' strategy in tough cities, Jesus' strategy in places where there needs to be great repentance, Jesus' strategy in hell holes like Sodom is to do miracles. He said, if, if, I, if the miracles that I did in Bethsaida were done in Sodom, Sodom would have repented. I had never seen that before that miracles can cause repentance, that miracles can change Sodoms. I, I, I thought it was hellfire and brimstone. I did. I thought it was like, like you know, just ripping into people and just saying, oh, you're a terrible sinner. Sodom, you're going to burn. And, and certainly there is the judgment of the Lord. We saw that here. But Jesus was saying, if, if, I, if I'd have been there in Sodom and done what I'm doing for you in this city, you would have turned. His expectation was in Bethsaida and Corazon, my expectation is I'm doing these miracles and you'll repent how hard those cities must have been to be harder than Sodom even. But that doesn't discourage me from miracles saying miracles don't work. I often read that passage and said, yeah, it's not miracles that are going to turn cities around. But as I read that now, I say, wait a minute, that's what Jesus is suggesting there. That that's, was his strategy. If, if these miracles would have been done in Sodom, they would have repented. They would have changed. They would still be there today. And so I want to encourage you with my last words here of this conference Believe God for the miraculous. 
believe him for the supernatural. You know, for, for us to, to begin to doubt the supernatural is to doubt <laughs> everything, everything about our faith is supernatural. I mean, there's a God up there, that's supernatural. He had a son, that's supernatural. He sent a son, he came of a virgin birth, that's supernatural. He lived a perfect life, that's supernatural. He died on a cross, that's supernatural. He rose from the dead, that's supernatural. If we don't believe in the supernatural, we've got to get out of the ministry. We just, we got to do, we got to do something else because everything about the kingdom of God is supernatural just by its very own definition. It's supernatural. And so Jesus is saying here, and I'm going to leave you with this, that, that in, the, in your tough city, just believe for the supernatural. Believe, believe that your faithful work in there, your diligence of just believing in for the supernatural, continue to pray for the lost, pray for the sick, go risk in faith, just talk to everybody you can find. And just be, be like this guy who was set free from a legion of demons and he turned a whole region around because of his faith in the miracle working power of Jesus. So Father, we, 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 we're not miracle seekers, we're, we're, we're Jesus seekers. Uh, the only reason we ask for miracles is because we want you to be exalted and glorified and lifted up for your name, for you, for you to uh, show your power like the song we sing, show your power, O Lord, show your power. Like the old song we sing in the vineyard, more love, more power. Lord, because we want to see your name exalted. So, Father, I'm asking for people in tough situations to find a new grace, to stay, to continue, to press in when it gets tiresome, when it gets weary, when they feel like giving up. Lord, help them to see that their faithfulness will be rewarded and they're going to see miracles. Jesus will come back into that city. Not that he's ever left, but just metaphorically, he's going to come back and show himself strong. You're going to see it in your church, your life, your ministry, your family. Thank you. I speak that over you prophetically. He's going he's gonna to come. You're going to see a second wind, a second fire, a second grace, a second move of God, and it's going to be greater than you've ever seen before. If, 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 he, if, he, did, if he does the things in, in uh, somebody tell me the name of your city, uh, Canyon Lake. If he does the things in Canyon Lake or in Riverside or in, in where are you guys from? Lakewood, Lakewood, and then San Diego. If he, if he does the things that he did in Tyre and Sidon, then maybe your city could see him. You know, if, if Sodom could change because of the miracles, I probably, maybe even San Francisco could change. Huh? Nah, we don't want to get too radical here. You know? No, really, wouldn't that be wild? That'd be wild. And uh, so, Father, just again for our cities, we plead. We plead, we, we plead the blood of Jesus over our cities. We plead the miracle working power of Jesus. The greatest miracle, God, is that you come. You make yourself known. You come. You raise dead things to life. Thank you, Jesus. Things that seem dead, our, our cities seem dead. Maybe our ministries seem dead in the midst of a dead city. But thank you, Jesus. You're coming, and you're using men and women just like you use this man healed of legions of demons. You're using these brothers and sisters to do the supernatural in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't already, subscribe today on your mobile device to get exclusive new content from Teen Challenge of Southern California. For more information, visit us on the web at teenchallenge.org.